Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. It's your bartender's favorite podcast, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese Podcast. This is your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. Joined, as always, the peanut butter to my chocolate, Chad Sowash, is in the house. And today, we are excited to welcome Rick Kerner, VP of Unified Communications at UPS. Rick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Joel, for that. Um, yeah, Rick Kerner, UPS. Uh, I'm a UPSer. I've been there 22 years, I'm native to the Northeast. I live in New Jersey, I'm born and raised. Spent a little time in Florida in there. New Jersey Devils fan. And okay. I'll, I'll let you guys take it from there. And a Giants fan, as we learned uh, in the in the green room. So, Rick, when I do a show... I go to LinkedIn and I do my research on where you went to school, past jobs. I couldn't find you on LinkedIn because shockingly, (laughs) you're not on LinkedIn. Please explain to me why you are morally opposed to LinkedIn. So when LinkedIn was first developed, right? So I'm not a social media guy. And Mm -hmm. and being a man north of 40 years old, I will say that I usually tell people, anybody that's on social media or Facebook at my age, you know, only three things are going to happen. You're going to end up in jail, you're going to lose your job, or you're going to get divorced. (laughs) So you should probably stay off of social media. All right. So at the end of the day, that's my stance on on Facebook and social media. However, when when it comes down to um, LinkedIn, you know, I was all in. I built this huge profile and I was so proud of it. I put in dedicated hours. And I really wanted to do, when it was first deployed, it was about networking with other peers, right? So we're going back more than 20 years ago. At that point in my career, 
I want to do some networking. Maybe I'll find another opportunity. Maybe I won't be at UPS. I'll see something else because of my experience. And then the phone call started and it was every headhunter and they didn't want me. They wanted to know what UPS was hiring for the next year. And after constantly weeding through emails, and and I'll tell you, even after I deleted my profile, it took like a year and a half before I finally (laughs) fell off the list. And I I would get phone calls and it'd be like, hey, uh, we want to know what's UPS looking to hire for the next year? Mm -hmm. Uh We're scraped. Yeah. So (laughs) at that point, I abandoned LinkedIn. If there was a way to build a profile to avoid that, I probably would go back and I'm sure the profile still exists and I could resurrect it. But at the end of the day, that's why I'm not on LinkedIn. So today, it's all about wealth managers uh, instead of recruiters. <laughs> you got life all insurance. these wealth managers and life insurance. Like, hey, Chad, uh, how's your life insurance look? You know, so it's it's starting to develop and let's say, for instance, transform a bit, but but not in a good way, right. uh, Rick. Not 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 in a good way. So I I appreciate that. Unfortunately, I am addicted. I don't agree. I think that. In my 20s and 30s, I would have been screwed with social media. Luckily, it, it really wasn't around, let's say mm-hmm. 20s or early 30s. Uh, but as being an, an adult, uh, let's just say a more mature adult now, I don't have that problem because I see all the kids and them doing stupid shit, and I'm learning from that, right? So, so Thank I, God I, we didn't have it in our 20s. Yeah, you you have emotional intelligence now, you know, and and yeah. my my wife will share with me some of the things that people post. Um and you're right, a lot of it is immaturity, but usually my first reaction is not one the world wants to hear. So Yes. <laughs> I feel you. No, I feel you. The why are you such an asshole response, right? Right. Right, exactly. <laughs> that being said, tell us a little bit about what you do at uh UPS. What what makes you what makes you tick on a daily basis? Coming out of the gate, I started UPS 22 years ago. I was in the Ooh. IT vertical. I was part of a team that helped to work on the package delivery system that you have today. Back then it was just all about tracking numbers and you know, tracking your package to see when it was going to be delivered. Um, Mm -hmm. Just as a lot of new technologies, things tend to mature. And as they mature, you know, the groups tend to change. And, you know, that job kind of evolved into more of a project management. As I grew as a person, I think I realized that one of my talents is that I tend to look at things and it doesn't matter if it's in IT or not, but I tend to look at them and ask myself why. But then I also come to a solution, right? So I yeah. had two really quick examples. One, I was in the Vol Places Cheesecake Factory, right? So when I'm in there, I only eat cheesecake because why else would you not get cheesecake yeah. in the Cheesecake Factory? That's why you go to the Cheesecake Factory. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, so I was in there and I had said to the waiter, I said, you know, I want to try all 30 of these. And he was walking me through <laughs> each one. And, you know, because you got to go one at a time. And I told We're him, I fast said, friends already. Yeah. I love and I, I said, I go, I don't understand why Cheesecake Factory doesn't offer cheesecake flights. Like I would pay for three or four pieces of cheesecake yeah. in a smaller portion. And I said, look, you want a job in the corner office? Why don't you write that up and send it up there and see if they give you a bump or something? You know, so but my brain constantly works that way. Uh, Rick, my friend, you are an evil genius. Cheesecake lights. I love yes. it. I love it. Continue, please. So, Sorry, so I, I gave you the, the second one I had was I was in the Apple store because, of course, eventually, you know, one of those products gives us pain we can't fix with Google. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm in there and 
the Apple genius was helping me out. And as he was, I told him, I said, you know, I go home at night and despite this being a wireless technology, I always have to plug it in or I have to put it on the mag charger or whatever it is. I said, you know, and then I have a watch and then I have earbuds. I go, why can't I plug the phone in and then put the earbuds on top of the phone and put the other devices, the watch sitting on the phone and let the phone charge off of it without plugging it in. So I'm sure Apple will get there. I also don't understand why it's not self-charging like the old watches. Not all day, but just a little bump, right? Like yeah. something to make me go an extra two hours without having to plug it in. <laughs> so. A self-winder. You're like the Kramer of recruitment. Like yeah. let's put the mustard and the ketchup in the same jar. So I've lucked out in UPS in that I've had management and leaders that have kind of accepted the fact that I don't necessarily think that way. And they don't tell me no, right? And through time, so with you know, HR systems and whatnot, because they don't tell me, you know, when things come along, you know, they, they let me spread my wings a little bit. And then sometimes I get pulled back down to earth because, you know, not every idea is a good idea. And I'm okay with that too. But if I have one out of every 10, then it's a win-win for everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about UPS, obviously big into automation. Uh, have to be, to be able to get those packages out as fast and as as quick as Americans demand, because we have to have it in the next five minutes. So it being on the recruiting side of the house, what have you been seeing in automation that has, uh, ha- has gotten you excited and gotten your brain going and thinking, okay, we could prospectively in- implement something like that uh, to help our recruiters do less uh, administrative types of jobs and tasks. I like to look at the younger generation, right? And the ones that are coming up that will eventually replace us. And I luckily, I have two of them in my house. You know, they, I tend to ping things off of them and I, and I'll say to them like, you know, what do you think of this? Or how do you, how do you want to communicate? Right? So primarily, you know, the generation coming up, you know, the high schooler and my college age student, they, they just, they want to text. They don't want to call. So you sit back and you look at their engagement in applying for a job. You know, they want to do it all online. They have the fastest thumbs I've ever seen in my life. And they fill out an application and then they just kind of like sit back and they're like, oh yeah, I'm just waiting. They're going to schedule an interview. Um, On top of that, I think, you know, they want this. They want the face-to-face interview. They don't want a phone call. They don't want a rejection card like it was 1997. You know, they... (laughs) They want a rejection like, hey, you know, we're going to keep you on file via text. That's fine. It's funny because I made fun of texting back when phones didn't have a keyboard, right? But the bigger yeah. thing I made fun of was the fact that my when the camera came out on a phone, I didn't realize that my camera also needed to have the ability to text. But yet nowadays, I take more pictures and text than anything possible. And yeah. it, was a, it was a younger person at an amusement park that I worked with on like a day trip that educated me when we parked the car and I was like looking at the sign. I'm like, Oh, G 37. I need to remember G 37 is where the car is. And he takes out his camera, takes a picture. And he goes, I got it. I'm like genius. <laughs> I'm a little older. I use the camera now to read the menu in the cheesecake factory and blow it up. <laughs> so I don't have to wear my glasses wow. <laughs> with the light on, with the light, with the light on. on. So can we exactly. turn the lights up in here for God's sakes? It's my sister-in-law does that. She takes a picture then, enlarges it to see what it's it is. Call. It's crazy. Yeah. Younger people are communicating in a different way. We also know they all have ADHD. And I, I found it really intriguing on the UPS website. It says, quote, get a job offer in 25 minutes. Is that driven by youth? Is that, Are there stipulations? Like, how is that 
how did that come about and, and what's the response? I would love to answer that question. I have no idea we even had that out there. Um, I am okay. sure I am sure that it is driven by uh, the need for UPS to fill the position and the fact that, you know, people want instant gratification. You know, Chad, you mentioned oh, yeah. it earlier with deliveries, right? We want you know, I ordered something yesterday at like two o'clock in the afternoon. It was in my mailbox at six. Like how and why, I don't know, nor do I care. But that is that is a great point. If if people expect their packages in in such short period of time, you have to have an application process, I assume, that is just as quick. Talk yeah. about that. It's standard. Yeah, I mean that that's exactly where we're taking it. And nowadays with, you know, the texting solutions that are available today. And, you know, we use the, the product offered by ISIMS and primarily during our peak season, right? So UPS starts ramping up. September, we start thinking about it. October, we start deploying. You know, you're talking about adding 105,000 peak helpers, right? So these mm-hmm. are part-time jobs where it's going to be 20 hours or less. Um, we also have PVDs, which is personal vehicle drivers. Based on business need, we need a way to communicate to them. So from the second that they're onboarded, you know, we ask them if it's okay if we send them a personal text message, right? So we mm-hmm. had to go through the process of, you know, getting legal to sign off on it. So now most people, surprisingly, the uptick in employees that said, yeah, yeah, yeah you could send me a text is probably oh, north yeah. of 90%. And they want that text because they want to hear like, hey, flight was delayed today. We don't need you until 10 o'clock. They don't want to come in at eight in the morning, hang yeah. around and wait. Right. So this communication apparatus helps us to get to that point and deploying something like that. We did it seven years ago and we and we vetted ISIMS up against the big boys, which was Google and Microsoft at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, that was actually my project. We had a month to do it and to deploy, which you know, is lightning fast when you're moving in a company of 500,000 employees. You know, it takes a long time to turn a battleship around. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have that because they wanted this immediately in the operations. So uh, we went out, we did a small proof of concept. And, you know, the reason that we chose them, and I'll go back to, you know, sometimes it's the salesperson, right? So there was a girl that worked there at the time, and whatever we threw at her, she said, yeah, we can do that. And that was the reason. So when I stood and asked for the money to fund this, you know, that was one of the things that came up was like, really, you're choosing like virtually a startup, right? It's it's not one of the big behemoths in the room. Mm-hmm. And you're going to vet that this is the company that's going to provide us with this texting service. You know, why is that the case? And then I said, because, you know, every question that came out of every person, they were either going to make changes to make it happen or they were going to push it forward. And, and that's why we ended up where we are today. Uh, I'm shocked that a salesperson said that the company's product could do anything. That's <laughs> a really happens. rare, that never really happens. rare occurrence. <laughs> so so seven years of, of SMS, how have you scaled that? How much is automation versus they're actually you know corresponding with a human being and maybe future uh, features? What are you looking at? Yeah. So the original deployment started, so a learning curve, right? Having never deployed anything like that, you know, I had to make a manual for this, what we call the center operations. So in every building, there is an HR assigned human being that now can text all these different centers. And, and all these 100,000 people, and each person is put into a different vertical. The manual that, that we had put together was actually 22 steps to onboard them. So we had one page per step, 
Um, it was kind of ironic because we deployed it a week later. Our C-level executives were touring a facility and they asked someone like, oh, okay, is there any improvements? And that person whipped out this 22-page instruction manual for how to onboard. And they were like, yeah, it'd be great if you could get rid of this. So ironically, <laughs> you know, that next Monday, someone was standing in my desk and uh, telling me, really? And I, I really, it was great because I had no idea that we even had people that could do that at UPS. So we ran fast into the fire. We had a solution. We fixed that. Um, we got all that up and running. But back then, the way that we onboarded everyone and got it working was still UPS internal applications, right? So mm -hmm. nowadays, that right there is all what we call birthright. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait. The Chat and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman. I'm talking about Text Kernel. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text Kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways. TextKernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. TextKernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data. I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> Are you struggling to attract the talent you need today? Do you lack visibility into where your recruitment ad dollars are really going? There's a better way. Acquire ROI is a programmatic job advertising platform built to optimize your budget and supercharge hiring. Acquire ROI automatically manages and measures recruitment ads across job boards so you can allocate your budget based on insights, not hunches. Get to quality candidates faster and cost-effectively scale hiring across roles, all while gaining complete visibility and control over your recruitment marketing investments. Say goodbye to manual guesswork, inconsistent performance, and wasted spending. And hello to optimized automated campaigns that produce qualified applicants. At Acquire ROI, we make job advertising easy. Visit us at acquireroi.com and start transforming your talent acquisition today. So if you're a UPS employee, you have access to the tool, right? So that piece of automation in the background and how we make that happen kind of smoothed everything over. Now with that, as we deployed and began to text, there were other applications in UPS that send messages or want to send messages that began to see added value, right? So they said, well, you know, we want to communicate with our employees too. 
how are we going to do it to make their their life better? And we want to communicate through. So while HR started spearheading it and they were using it to onboard these 105,000 you know, UPSers for our peak season, it, there were other opportunities that came up too that now the product has grown because there's other messaging opportunities out there beyond beyond HR. What are they? What, what are you guys currently using them for? So even for package tracking incidents, right? So so say that you know there's a problem with a a um, a belt system, right? A conveyor mm-hmm. belt system. That automated system now has the ability to to text directly to the person where it is, the location, so they can go in and expedite the repair of that system. You know that that's one example, but there's numerous ones on that side of it. Wow. So er- early like indicators on what's broken, what needs fixed. Exactly. Very nice. So, okay. So first and foremost, I've heard two things thus far. The C-suite and operations, when they say something, it moves. It doesn't take the Titanic to turn. You're a speedboat at that point. So my point is, and this is pretty much, I would say, uh, standard in just about any any operation that's out there, right? C-suite says something, you're on it. So why is it in, in your 22 plus years of being in in this industry, Rick, why is it that TA doesn't build a business case for the C-suite and operations every single time they want something? Because that that seems to be the answer. Not that they're going to get everything, but if they continue to be the the squeaky wheel with great business cases, why wouldn't we do that more often? So I think for UPS, we do, right? Like when our okay. C-suite comes out and they ask for something, you know, the UPSers that I've worked with through the years, we always deliver on what their ask is, you know, <laughs> I get it. and, I get and, it. and then as far as the operations goes, so most of us understand that the only reason that we're still here is because that driver has the ability to pick the box up from point A to deliver to point B, right? Mm-hmm. So without him, then you wouldn't need me. So at the end of the day, you know, the operations is, is our golden ticket. Right. And and we need to treat them with the respect that they deserve. And when they ask for things, you know, it's a matter of finding it. We don't expect them to have the technical acumen or to have the HR presence to know what they need. They just know that they need. So mm-hmm. when they when they do present those challenges, I think, you know, that's when UPSers really come through to shine through. As example, you know, recently there was a pending Teamster strike, right? That that was yep. during a contract negotiation and, you know, everyone was was talking about that. On the back end side, the UPSers that were internally, we were preparing for how do we make adjustments in the case that that does happen, right? What do we need to do? And there was training going on and people were preparing. You know, these things were done to secure the fact that the company was still going to be there. You know, UPS just had their anniversary 116 years old. We want to all make sure that there's we're still there and we're providing for our customers because that's what we do best. Did I hear a dad joke out of Rick? Yes. Yeah, of course you did. You, nice you, you always deliver. Yeah, you didn't even get it, Rick. You didn't even get it. I mean, come on. I'm in the industry. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so the point to me is that you guys in talent acquisition, you understand the business because you have to understand the business because, again, you have to deliver. Is that really the underlying kind of thought process that you have? Yeah, I mean, if the if the operations tells us that you know they need to have X number of human beings you know, employed during a peak season, they have an estimate of volume and how many packages, then, you know, the the HR teams need to get together and make sure that that happens. So let's talk about calculus here. Knowing what the estimates 
we're going to be, because I'm sure you guys work with logistics and operations, uh, and then knowing that a truck or a position that's open and a truck not working costs the organization money. Have you guys done the calculus to actually say, hey, look, that position, if it's open for this amount of time, it costs X per day of downtime, right? Have you done that so that you can take that business dollar sign to operations and to the C-suite and say, look, if we don't get faster automation and or you know technology to be able to make sure that we get people in place, we're losing X amount of money per day. Nobody wants that. Do you, are you guys doing that calculus internally? So that's exactly how a lot of things are driven within UPS, right? So how do we budget for the future? You know, uh-huh. how do we budget to, to prepare for automation, right? And, and we do that by presenting it in a way that says, you know, this is the possible loss or this is the loss, right? So, or, and this is going to fill the gap. We do that every single day. I don't know what it was that drove the texting portion of it. I don't know what the, the metrics were, but you're also talking about a company that, you know, the, the routes are calculated to the point where there's no left turns, right? Because left turns waste time, sitting at a light, yeah. everything's right turn. So if uh-huh. we're going to take that to that degree, you know, you could just imagine, you know, when it comes to human capital, Mm-hmm. and how we're going to work those resources in too. So that being said, do you have your own, instead of Google Maps for for navigating, do you have like a UPS Maps that does not allow left turns? So I don't want to say it doesn't allow because the driver is the driver, right? And there may sure. be a reason that sure. he has to make that, that left turn as opposed to the yeah. right. Um, and they know their routes probably better than most of us do. But yeah, UPS for decades has had their own version of Google Maps, you know, with their own mathematicians doing the calculations on all that. So trucking, UPS in particular, have been in the news a lot lately. And I'm just curious about one year take, but but also what it's meant to candidate flow what, for quality, quantity, et cetera. So one thing that Chad and I talked about a few weeks ago was, was yellow trucking, a uh, hundred year company almost, I think 30,000 drivers company went bankrupt. What has that meant to your candidate flow? And also you mentioned uh, the labor negotiations at UPS. They make great headlines, the 170,000 a year. I got to think that some truckers got wind of that and that that increased traffic quite a bit. How have you handled it? What's been the response? Has it been good? Is it, Has it been like overhyped and the flow isn't what uh, what you think it is? Talk about trucking in the news and what it's meant to UPS recruiting. So yeah, yellow trucking. So that's a little bit different envelope than what UPS does, right? Like we Mm -hmm. do have a portion of, you know, over the road trucking. However, you know, that's not our primary business. So LTL trucking is, is handled differently. Um, With that, you know, a lot of those drivers do a different type of job and that's more of a senior position at UPS that's kind of earned over time. However, that doesn't mean that those drivers wouldn't look to join UPS now, especially like you said, with you know, a more attractive, you know, package overall, salary plus other opportunities. But I think a lot of that was driven by volume, right? So if yellow was down on volume, that volume is going to get spread out to the other LTL carriers. And then those LTL carriers will either pick up the volume plus the drivers. And then hopefully, you know, they'll be able to pick up, you know, some more work in that area. You're talking about different skill sets to some, I mean, you're talking about package delivery versus over the road driver, right? Yeah. So I'll let let you add on this. Chad and I have been talking about driverless trucks, 
uh, drones <laughs> delivering packages for a long time, and it never seems to happen. Just curious about your take. How much longer do we have to wait for uh, the Terminator to deliver my uh, my whiskey delivery? So uh, I do know a few years ago, there, UPS does have an over-the-road um, project working from, I want to say, California to Texas and through Arizona. You know mm-hmm. that that was driverless with a with a third party company. I don't know where that is today, but I mean drones in the sky and delivering packages, and I don't know that we necessarily will be there in the next twenty or thirty years. I don't I don't see the added value. Um, I know UPS has done some great things with drone deliveries in remote locations. I saw mm-hmm. a video years ago where we delivered vaccines in Africa via drones to areas that, you know, normally a driver just couldn't get to. So, you know, there is an application for everything. We might not see it in New York City, but, you know, travel the world and eventually you'll run into everything. (laughs) Yeah, well, all I have to do is watch uh, the videos of the Uber Eats drones getting bashed on the sidewalks all over the place to know that's Uh probably not a great deal. So, Rick, where can people find you? Uh, obviously, you're not on LinkedIn. So if they want to connect with you, maybe you just don't connect with Rick. I don't know. That's okay. But if people do want to connect with you, where where would you send them? So um, you could just email me right at UPS. Um, you know, my UPS email is rkerner at ups.com. And odd fact, no packages were delivered to my home during the recording of this podcast, <laughs> which is happens. a very, very rare thing, yeah. my oh. friend. You haven't met my wife who who clearly keeps package delivery oh, in business. Oh, I, uh, I can go toe-to-toe with any wife <laughs> with my wife, trust me. Rick, thanks for joining us, Chad. That's another one in the can. We out. We out. This has been The Firing Squad. Be sure to subscribe to the Chad and Chief podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you're a startup who wants to face The Firing Squad, contact the boys at chadcheese.com today. That's www.chadcheese.com. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at Lachifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics than hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.